Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm about to speak to Brooke Bentham about her jobs working in a shoe shop and also at a customer service office, all alongside being an amazing musician. She's just released her new record, Everyday Nothing, 
which I employ you to check out. It's kind of really chilled out indie rock. I call it Xanax indie rock. And it was great to chat to her. It's, it's really interesting, as always, to find out what people's real lives are like behind social media, behind the scenes, behind the adverts for their records and their tours coming up. And, uh, and we had a good chat about it. So thanks for listening. This is 101 Part-Time Jobs with Brooke Bentham. I started having singing lessons when I was 15 and it was my singing teacher that kind of told me, like got me my first gig and then told me to start writing songs. Um, and it all just kind of sent, went off from there. I didn't really have a plan to do it. I was like, try to do it as like a job, but where I've ended up. I'd been doing musical theatre lessons from when I was in year seven. Um, and then, and they, but they originally called those singing lessons, um, but they actually just turned out to be theatre lessons. And then I think when I realised, I attended a theatre school as well and music was my favourite part of that. And I think once I realised that I started kind of, was good, like, I mean, without blowing my own trumpet, was good at singing. Um yeah. Yeah, well, my, you you know, you know, don't you? I mean, if you enjoy yeah. something and if you get a good response, you kind of get that feeling. Yeah, um, and I think my my mom actually like forced me into singing lessons at that point. I don't think it was actually a a wanted thing from me, but yeah. Where did you grow up? Where's the accent? South Shields, but it's right next nice. to Newcastle. And then you obviously you came to I say obviously because that's how we know each other just from being around New Cross and Deptford. Yeah, yeah. You you came down to study at Goldsmiths. Mm-hmm. Did you do college or A levels? And they call it different things, different places, don't they? Yeah, I did sixth form, but I did yeah. I did do A levels. Yeah, I did um, music, drama, and English. Nice. Mm. Smart. I mean, not really compared well, yeah, to you got... compared to the people who do like physics, maths, and chemistry. You know. It's pretty yeah, easy but time. yeah, but in- English opens you up. Yeah, English is, English is probably the like the one that I most enjoyed out of them. To be honest, music was hell because I am not a classical musician, and that uh, course was just all fucking like classical stuff, you know. A lot of theory. Yeah, a lot of. Th- I had to get tutoring for theory because I just had no idea what I was doing. See, that shit always scares me. I mean, I like playing music, but. I mean, it's probably the thing I love doing most in life, yeah. but having it down on paper scares the shit out of me. I've, I've ne- honestly, since leaving um, sixth form, I've never, ever written, apart from like lyrics, I've never like, you don't have to know how to like read music and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it's kind of silly. Um, you can obviously, I mean, you can do, what is it? You can do like, um, is it BTEX in like yeah. pop- popular music and stuff now? Yeah. Um, but I think people are still encouraged to do A-levels over those. And even at Goldsmiths, you could did, did they let you do it sort of the punk way? Yeah, I mean, I did popular music at Goldsmiths, not music. So it was a lot of like, hey, here's how to write a folk song. Here's how to write a blues song. And it was a lot of like, you know, it felt way easier compared to A-levels, which I don't know if that's the way it should be. But Did you come down to London thinking that you wanted to push the music thing did did you have like a decision was there a decision that you made there I can't I can't even remember man like I obviously I applied to like I can't, I can't believe I did this but Goldsmiths was the only place that I applied for popular music for everywhere else was like classical music and I'm like that is so 
silly to look back on because I can't, I can't, like I've taught myself guitar. I can't read music. I'm like, I don't know how I expected to get myself through um, a music degree. I think as soon as I came, because I came out of Goldsmiths for the open day and I was kind of like, oh, like this sounds cool. And uh, I kind of want to like, at that point I was kind of like, I want to be surrounding myself by music all of the time. Like I was right. playing, I was playing like busking gigs in Newcastle and I was kind of starting to, that's when I was kind of like, right, recording Oliver and releasing Oliver. Um, How prolific are you when it comes to writing? Because obviously you released Oliver with with that B-side in what, it's 2016, wasn't it? Yeah. And then there's been a slew of, it's, it's two EPs since then, right? Mm-hmm. Before the album. I mean, you don't, you, like when the songs are so good like that, <laughs> and I'm not just, you know, saying that, but like, okay. you know, for example, like Oliver, you know, that I just I was listening to that once a day for for really? ages. Yeah, it's such an amazing it that song is like you just find yourself in it. Like that smashes open a whole new world. Wow. That's mad to hear though, because that's like one of the first songs I wrote when I was like fifteen. And I'm now twenty-four, so I almost wrote that like ten years ago. That's gross. You must have known then when you wrote that that you were like, okay, shit, that's that's a level. I don't know. I've never ever felt that, I don't think. Um, I don't know, Oliver's got such a good reception and I'm like, I, I kind of look back at it and I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a song. Um, so who, who do you send it to? Where, I mean, when you, when you recorded it, cause it, was it self-released? It was, um, it was one of my friends had like a very small label. I think he's still got it. It's called Trellis Records. Um, and we put, kind of put it out together on that. Yeah. And then Six Music picked it up, obviously. Yes, yeah. That's the perfect crowd for it. I know. I mean, did did you know then that you wanted to? If you started writing songs at fifteen, I suppose I suppose that's the normal age to start like yeah. being in a band, doesn't it? So yeah, I released Oliver in my first year of uni, even though I'd written it like two years before that. But so that's kind of where I was at when I moved to uni. Um, good place to be. Yeah, it was. It was a really good place to be, but like, especially considering like when I first started that degree, there was a lot of people who like had never played a gig before and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, so in a sense it was like overwhelmingly like, uh, a lot easier than a levels, you know, I was like, have yeah. I chosen the right degree? But I think it turned out okay in the end. I mean, I've literally not used it since, but you know, meeting people from, from goldsmiths, um, in the last sort of, I guess in the last five years that I've lived around the area, it, it, it's funny meeting people who, spend a lot of their time on the recording part of making music rather than playing gigs. When you released Oliver, were you going on tour? Were you playing many London shows? Not really. I mean, when I when I left Newcastle, I kind of did... I never did proper gigs in Newcastle. It was kind of like um, all busking kind of things in pubs. And then I decided before I left that I'd do a little like hometown show before I go. And the guy who was doing sound for that and like did James Bay sound randomly right, yeah. and then no, he the yeah no and longer the hat no longer the hat man he's lost the hat and um and then so from that I ended up like getting in p- touch with like getting put in touch with like London promoters and things and but then I got this manager and he didn't let me gig at all um okay for a year so can I ask you about that because mm-hmm. I mean the story of having a manager is from the outside, it's this kind of real, it's like a real, um, it's a legit thing, isn't it? Oh, Having a man. manager. Yeah. What, what's your story with it? I mean, currently I am without a manager. So 
it's been a long old journey um, and I'm still not finished. But that first manager I got, I like, I, I'd written Oliver, but I think because I'd written Oliver, there was like a, a, a level of pressure there that I wasn't really ready for. Um, and he was kind of like, oh, don't, we're not going to let you gig for a year and we're just, you're just going to write. You're going to write the entire time. And I think that combined with me, being at uni for the first time, like having my first year at uni, being living by myself, living in London, it was just a bad combination. And I wasn't really, I wasn't writing anything that I was inspired by. And after a, after a year, we were both kind of like, should we just like, should we just leave it? Like nothing's really happening from this. Um, and then I think when that happened, it kind of gave me a kick up the arse to be like, okay, I need to kind of, if I want to do this, I kind of need to hunker down and, properly have a go at it because I was because I knew that I was in a good place when I did Oliver and I didn't want to lose that I knew that I could get to that place but I just kind of kind of lost all focus since starting uni do you think looking back that was a good thing that you weren't so that it was kind of the I mean it sounded it sounds to me tell me if I'm wrong that you weren't that like hard-headed yeah I was kind of, I was just a bit silly, I think. I really obviously wanted to do music and I wanted it to be my full-time job. But at the same time, I'm like, I think about it now and it's such a different time of my life. I was a completely different person, but it's like, I don't know. You're, I was living in a, in halls with like eight other people in my flat. And that in itself is like, how on earth am I going to write songs without people hearing me, for one? Yeah. Um, And then also like... I, in my first year at uni, they're, they're telling us how to write folk songs, how to write blues songs. And it's like, well, what am I meant to be writing? I don't know. I think my main problem is that I just had no idea what I wanted to be and what kind of music I wanted to make. Yeah. And that kind of w- was just sending me into a spiral and I just wasn't doing anything because of it. Did you find it hard with the social element of, as well? Yeah, man. I mean, like, like- th- yeah, because you're living alone for the first time and then you're making all these like I mean I was like hanging out with people making all these new friends and I think to an extent you're like well I've got to you know you have to socialize and you're I was also like I was 18 I'm really I wasn't that self-disciplined you know what I mean well I think look everything we're doing everything we're doing including like having these these, like conversation now like Mm. you look back on five years or four years from now and you think like you know there'll be some things that you say or you know that that I say I mean where I'm like what a fucking idiot (laughs) yeah I know I know that's life right I can't read old interviews because I'm just like ah trying so hard to be funny and it's horrendous (laughs) how do you feel about old songs old lyrics old lyrics um I don't really mind them to be honest I um because I know that I spend a lot of my time on my lyrics it's like mm. it's it's more like song titles and stuff that I um I've got a song called I need your body and I'm like why on earth did I name that song <laughs> I need your body like why did I name it that it's just funny I think um, it works with the ephemeral thing though you know yeah. which is obviously uh another in another song title of yours but yeah. I, I had to when I read that song title I, I had to look up what that word meant yeah that's what everyone says to me it's a good word though isn't it it's a great word i've I've thought about it i've used it since exactly i've had a few people be like oh yeah i've put that in a song since and i'm like yeah well you've got me to thank for that so when when you're at uni were you um were you working part-time or were you just sort of trying to like keep money tight Mm, kind of um all over the place actually i think i remember first year i don't know how i did it but i seemed 
I think I was quite flush because I had like I think I got quite a lot of student loan and yeah. I also got like a bursary from the uni nice but, but then it my... means you're special I know but then you set yourself up because you're like I've got loads of money and then you get to your second year and you're like oh like you're not living in halls anymore you've got to live in London right um and then I so I've had a few jobs actually I worked at a catering agency which was horrendous it was so anxiety inducing was that regular yeah so it's one of those things where you can like you apply and you do a training day and you can choose your shifts so they're kind of like these events all over London and um you can kind of choose where you want to go choose what you want to do or like they're not what you want to do it's more just like event at such and such in Canary Wharf and you're like okay I need a shift that time I'm free then it worked with like music stuff because I could choose when I'm I wanted to work and stuff but it was like you you don't know who you're going to be working with you're like often going to places that you've never been to before so it's just like every single time you have a shift it's like starting a new job all over again right I I had a similar job at like a race course where it was through an agency and it's you know just working on the bar and and the same thing you'd you'd be working with different people every time and yeah like it's it's funny like you know you still get I feel I still have it not, like now when it's the first it's like the first day of school all over again when you're yeah like 15 and yeah. you kind of you don't want to say anything because you don't want to look like an idiot yeah but then it's just like but then it's just so like I don't know I hate it it's so boring and yeah it's just like it gives you so much anxiety so I one mean, of the things one of the things you'd hope from these jobs is that as an artist you'd want to meet people and find out their stories and yeah in, in, I feel like your songs are very much very much like the listener goes into the body that you know into the shoes of, of another person and, mm. and I feel like that that's a great storytelling trait yeah do you try and do you try and find stories in other people for your characters definitely I think my life isn't interesting enough to only write about me um I think I've that's why I find it quite amazing when artists like can write whole albums about themselves. I'm like, is my life just shit? Because <laughs> some people will write about their experiences, and like, I think that's totally cool. Like, but I, for me personally, I'm just like, I do not have enough. Like, I'm not interesting enough, and I don't have enough going on. Like, I'm just going to my my boring part time jobs every week. Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, I'm in. I'm in a good relationship, so there's nothing interesting to write about there. It's just yeah. like, like most people will write about, I often find like most people will write about like, you know, like when you first like fall in love with someone or like breaking up with someone. It's like, I've got none of that going on. So, but I think also like, uh, I mean, in my album, I wrote about kind of the little things that help to make like things like when you feel like your life's a bit boring. It's the little things that do make it interesting and the little things that you have to kind of savour. Um, yeah. So I, I did try and come at it from that angle. There was something that um, I was listening to Six Music like some point last year and I didn't realise it. The singer, the singer of the specials was basically um, like he, he suffers really bad um, depression and, and anxiety. And one of the things he says that just helps him every day is looking at small things and having having a laugh and finding joy in in these tiny little arbitrary things the thing that day as he walked into the the bbc manchester studios that you saw that made him happy for the rest of the day was seeing how small 
um, one of those Brompton bikes could fold into. <laughs> See, it's little things. It is. And I love that. I really I think that it is. Totally. And I, and I think there are particular lines, you know, those lines in the second verse of a song. Yeah. That could be something like that that makes that song. Yeah, exactly. It sets a scene. What, what, are, what are the jobs that you've got right now? Um, I work, well, I mean, I don't really at the moment because of yeah, the virus. Right. Yeah. But um, I work in a shoe shop one day a week and I work um, in customer service at an office job for two days a week. And then I kind of do music for the rest of it. Is the shop and the office, are they local? No, one, the shop is, uh, the office is in Battersea and okay. the shoe shop is on Oxford Street. Battersea is an arse to get to. get Oh, uh, dude, I know. But there is like, from southeast, there's like one straight train. So I've just got to like sit on that and chill every morning. I do, do have to do, do quite early. Do you write on the train? No. <laughs> are, are you not a voice, are you not a, um, uh, a memo pad? I'm like, I'm the kind of person who has to like, if I'm going to write, unless it's just like, I've got like one liner that comes to my head, I'll write it in my notes. But I'm a person that kind of has to sit down with my book and kind of write like that. Um, I yeah. can't, I can't just sit in a public place. Although like you say that I won't write, but I'll kind of like observe and maybe observe my surroundings and write that in my notes sometimes after like long shifts. I find that's. I feel like after a long shift, you're probably more um, dreamy than you would be otherwise, especially if you've just been standing around on a shop floor for eight hours. I often used to find that when I was like the most hungover, that's when you write some great lyrics. Yeah, man. I feel like I've heard um, another person say that as well, but I'm also just like, I cannot, if I'm hungover, I can't do anything. I literally, yeah. I can't even get my brain to think. Do you have sort of times where, where you just try and lock yourself in a room and, and write or, or do you have to write when it comes to you in the moment? I try, like now, I think since living with my partner, you kind of, I used to kind of write in the night, in the evenings, because that's when I'd be my most creative, shall we say. Um, yeah. But now I'm kind of like, now that I'm also like treating it as a bit of a job, I've I purposefully only work three days a week and then I have the Thursday and the Friday to write in the daytime so I've got kind of like as if I've got a nine to five I'll just write yeah. in those times would you say that's something like taking music as a taking that you know Brooke Bentham the artist as as a job is has that been like a, is that a recent thing um it's definitely it's since I left uni I think that I've started doing that really yeah because obviously, I mean, uni, you're kind of all over the place, aren't you? You don't really have yeah. like a structure. But since leaving, I had this like period of uh, where I was like only living off music for a year after I finished uni. And it was That's maybe, brilliant. I mean, it sounds brilliant, but it was maybe the worst time ever because <laughs> you have to have so much self-discipline. Like take the uni student straight out of uni and then into a music career where she's not touring. Yeah. It's, it's not going to end well. Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of you that sort of lives off, you know, you're writing, other people are making the big decisions for you. Yeah. And then learning how to be assertive yeah. is a completely different game, right? Yeah, man. And like that's also, I think, why you need a manager because I'm not an assertive person at all. And so did you have a manager when you left uni? Was that another manager? Yes. So I had, um, I had that first manager and then I... Um, 
found Neil Simpson, who was my manager um, for about two and a half years. Um, he, he's a great guy. Um, but he carried me through those two EPs. From from my outset, I always presumed that, you know, with, with social media and Instagram, you know, you do have a glimpse inside people's lives, but obviously not not everyone is putting out so much content as the, you know, other people like the Kardashian kind of, kind of people. Yeah. But I, I still kind of think even when they're like people that I know quite mm. well, you always kind of assume that they're constantly working. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm, I get really bad. That's why I can't look at social media too much. I get really bad anxiety around it because everyone's like, oh, like, especially now during the coronavirus, everyone's like, oh, we, yeah. we can use this time to write. And I'm like, every single like t- downtime we get is meant to be like everyone is just like saying they're being productive and stuff and I'm like it's so it's kind of unhealthy but right. I don't know like I, I I really struggle with it to be honest because like sometimes when you try to write you can't write and you can't yeah. I you kind of like just have to accept that but sometimes I'll just spend like hours just like torturing myself trying to write a song and and so the album came out really recently, Everyday Nothing. Yeah. Which is amazing. Had a great listen yesterday whilst doing a thousand piece puzzle. Oh yes. Um, Love it. It's fucking it, do you know what? I go through so many ups and downs doing these puzzles. Yeah. Um, I, I've not started any yet. I really need to. When 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 did you decide that you were gonna do a record? Because cause that's a real that's a that's a, a horizon thing to work towards, right? Mm, it is. What year it, do you reckon you decided you wanted to do? I mean, as soon as I finished that second EP, I was like, I don't want to do another EP. I don't need to keep doing EPs. Um, and also, like, at that point, I was kind of like, that's when I was, like, finishing uni. Like, that that second EP came out. I can't remember. I think, yeah, it was, like, just after I'd finished uni. And I was like, okay, now, now I've got all this time in front of me to write the album, which, yeah. like, it didn't really happen. But, you know, it started the process at that point. So that was... When did I graduate? 2017? Oh my God, 2017? No, 2018, 2018. I graduated. Why did you not want to do another EP? Because I feel like EPs are the place to kind of work out your sound. Um, They give you too much flexibility. Sure. And um, I was kind of struggling with the thing of like, when I start, when I knew that I wanted to do the album, I was like, I did the EPs both with like a full band and the same producer. And I was coming away with those EPs. And I was like, this isn't, I'm not satisfied with this. It's not something that I would, like, I love that I would listen to all the time. Do you know what I mean? I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to do the album. I'm going to do it on my own, not with a band. I was going to do it with the same producer, Ben Baptiste, but, um, timings got pushed and then like I was like you know I want to just get started on this album I, I don't want to push it back any further so that's when we found Bill Ryder Jones and I think Bill Ryder Jones is just perfect for your well for you yeah the, the records that he's released in the last couple of years have, yeah. have all been amazing this real kind of and it and it has you know I, I've listening to your record I think so much about the vocals because it sounds mm. like you're so close yeah you know what I mean and yeah. and it and it, it breaks and it's got mm. the kind of did you use the funny uh, like did you use a different sort of microphone to what you'd usually use on it I've got no idea I think we just used the same microphone all the way through we were like 
when you see how we recorded the album, I think you'd be shocked. Like we weren't. I wasn't in a. I wasn't in a mic booth or anything. I was just like in. Most of the time, it was either in just like the live room, just like with a mic in the middle of it, or I'd just be in the mix room whilst Bill's like smoking a cigarette. Um, and I think we used to say microphone all the way through. So how how long did it take you um to record that? Collectively, it probably took around. Two months. Because his studio's in the Wirral, um, it's in West Kirby. I'd have to kind of travel up there from London and spend a bit of time. So I did, like, every now and then I'd do, like, a weekend or a week. And then I think in, like, January 2019, yeah, that was last year. Yeah, 2019, um, I did, like, three, four weeks. Um, and that's when we kind of got the bulk of it done. Nice. And, mm. and did you sort of, um, I mean, obviously you took time off work for it. Did, did, you, tell, yeah. did you tell your bosses what you were up to? Yeah, they all know that I'm um, a musician. Like the shoe shop, it's really easy to get off as holiday. Um, and then at the other job, I was actually on zero hours at the time, so I didn't actually need to even tell them. <laughs> yeah, um, I just kind of went. And, and like, I mean, it, it just seems to me like you you are like not just obviously saying this because we we because we're chatting, but mm. the way that you've been a musician is exactly the way that. I would like to be a musician, musician, and a lot of other people, it, I imagine, because you're such a, it's a, you're a lifer. It seems. What do you mean? I use that phrase like in the way I used to. I used to go to the skate park when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, to skate, you know, and I wasn't a lifer, but there, when I say lifer, I mean that like they were the same skaters there, day in, day out. That no matter what their lives were like, they were always at the skate park. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so people who can do music in a similar way. Yeah no matter what you're doing, you're just constantly trucking. The record's amazing and it seems like you've got a great team around you and you've done some great support tours. Does it Does it feel like it's ramping up? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that's meant to feel. I find the music industry such a weird place. I mean, I got the Sam tours because he's like my friend. Um, and then, I don't know. I don't know how it's supposed to feel. I Until I'm like... I think until I'm properly doing music full time, I won't really feel like I'm not an excitable person, as boring as that sounds. I'm just kind of like, obviously, if something super exciting comes around, then it's really great and exciting. And I will be excited about that. But for the moment, it's kind of like, you know, I've released the record and all touring is on a halt for a year because of the coronavirus. And it's kind of like, right. yeah, a year. Yeah. So, um, everyone's kind of rescheduling their stuff for 2021 mine my shows have been rescheduled for august but i mean the way things are going i don't even know if that's going to happen going back to not knowing how it's supposed to feel it just Mm. makes you think how the the music industry is so much to do with perception yeah it is and I, i think it's all about blagging it as well a lot of people blag it on social media right they they could be doing terribly but on Instagram, you'd be like, wow, they're killing it. You know, do you ever wonder if you if you were sort of the kind of personality or, you know, the kind of it came, you know, if social media came more naturally to you? Do you do you ever kind of wonder if you should try and push yourself in that direction? I don't th- I don't think I could. I, like it kind of makes me it's a bit sickly sweet for me, to be honest, when people are like all out, like in your face on social media. I like when people just show you a little bit of their personality and like totally 
sometimes you'll see like I don't know sometimes you'll see things from like major labels and it's just content 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 and it's like yeah there's no life in it all the yeah, life it doesn't mean anything out of it exactly yeah yeah. I mean, I love doing this podcast and I love doing the, the radio show that I've started doing and it comes so unnaturally to me. There's just no way in hell I can ever really write something the way I would say it to a friend. Yeah, I know. You can't, can you? And you've like, also like when you're promoting that stuff, you're just saying something that someone else has already said a million times. It's like, how do you say this in your own words? You know what I mean? Like if you're like promoting yeah. a show, it's like, hey guys got another show for you <laughs> yeah and, and you gotta really like got, w- watch out for those exclamation marks yeah and like do you, do you put do you put like a fucking period do you put a full stop at the end or not <laughs> no. like how, many, how many emojis do you use but it it feels like there's so much injustice in it yeah i just don't know like i don't know man i find it bizarre i find it really overwhelming well i, th- I think you did well for the record i mean i knew it was coming out yeah well that's kind of what that's a thing as well you have to be like uh, right, okay, I've got to post about this again, but say it in different words. And it's like, how do I do that every single day without annoying people? And then the truth is that some people might see it today who didn't see it yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Which makes you, which makes you think, you're, oh, you've totally missed a trick if you, <laughs> yeah. if you didn't want to post about it. Yeah. You can't fucking win. I know, man. It's a whole yeah. minefield. Yeah. So, so what are your plans for the next few weeks then, next few months? I don't know. Like I today, I've been cleaning my mouldy walls and painting them. Fantastic. So who knows what's going to be in store for me next? I'm going to yeah. try and do some writing, but I'm not putting too much pressure on myself because I find that I just shut down if I do. I, I do feel like after working with Bill Ryder Jones, yeah, I can just completely imagine maybe that's given you a kind of path. Is yeah, that, would I be right oh, in yeah. thinking that? That's why I wanted to do an album as well, because I wanted to like, I wanted to have a sound and I wanted to have somewhere to head. And like doing this album with Bill has totally given me that. So now when I'm writing, that kind of totally comes into it. And also like I wrote with Bill for the album and just seeing how he writes compared to me is so interesting. And I can now use like his techniques with mine. And You, you, you can hear that. That's good. It's like, um, it's like Xanax indie rock. <laughs> oh my god bill will love that no is that offensive no i don't think so but it does it's, it's like it's, it's it's cheaper yeah you don't have to have a friend in cambodia it's cheaper man I love that. <laughs> no but I'm, I'm loving the record um thank you so much for for chatting to me thank you giles really appreciate it no problem i've been working all day Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.